Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5 with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about when resolutions lead to burnout and what to do about it. Because we're in February at this point. For the majority of the population, the New Year's resolutions that they set are not going so great at this (laughs) point, right? Let's put it this way or that way. And if you feel like at this point your resolutions or if you didn't set resolutions and you're kind of thinking more intentions or like trying to think of like an add-in mentality for things, if you feel like all of that has already crashed and burned and you're feeling a little burnt out, like more burnt out that you were at the end of the holidays, then we're going to be talking about why you're probably feeling that way, validating that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that you would feel that way, and then what you can do about it instead. Yeah. And I think part of it, too, is that when we set out to do these types of resolutions or intentions, and I got to be honest, I used to drink the Kool-Aid real hard with this, and but I, I do less of that, but I still really like doing something. Like I like thinking about this is the new year. This is something that I want to emulate in the new year. How do I want to feel in myself and about myself or what things do I want? Like I'm totally on board with that. But I think one of the things that's been pretty big for me is that if it feels like you have to force it from day one or it's like, um, has to be a very specific structure or it's a complete bust and it's a waste of time. It's not going to be sustainable because I feel like there's this idea that we were talking about when we were like planning this out. It's like, I feel like sometimes we feel like we have to wedge these resolutions and these items into our schedule as if it has to be forced into it rather than it becoming something like, this is what I want to to start to work on more. Like if you haven't been doing it at all, and then now all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to do it every day. And it's like, this is what my morning routine is going to be. And I'm going to do these things and I'm going to wake up on a pillow and meditate for 20 minutes. And then I'm going to do yoga and then I'm going to drink my tea and then I'm going to do all these things. And this is what it's going to look like. And I'm now going to start waking up, you know an hour earlier than I ever did before, magically, in order to squeeze this stuff in, then to be honest, like, it's not unheard of (laughs) or unreasonable that that maybe lasted for a day or two, and then it, it kind of burned. But there is this idea that if you can't wedge it in in January, then it's almost like hands in the air, well, I might as well start next year. And it just has that very much of that very, that very big, like, might as well start on Monday. Like, reset starting next year. And I just feel like it kind of builds in this forcing into it that doesn't ever feel like it's becoming a part of you. 
even though the things that we are trying to do are maybe really great beneficial things that we want to prioritize and to make more space for in our lives. Maybe we really like the idea of having a little bit of a quieter morning routine or something like that. But the fact that we feel like we have to shove it in or it's a bust in January and has to be that month and it has to look a certain way feels a lot like a diet to me. Yeah, 100%. This kind of forced feeling and you that you have to like wedge it in and you have to willpower or discipline your way into it. That is like the classic exercise related New Year's resolution. It's like we're starting the biggest loser on January 1st, right? It's a very and this oh is God. so it's like so early 2000s and even like even the, everything was just like so forced and like you have to do it this way. And if you can't, then you suck and you have no willpower and you have no discipline. And it's always turned back on us, right? And we feel like we are the problem when in reality, when we're trying to create this whole wellness productivity checklist, which you've probably heard us talk about before, if you are not meeting yourself where you are and trying to figure out what's a realistic way that I can either fit this into my life currently or try to figure out how to build this into my life over time so that it's more sustainable, you are not the problem. It's the routine or the habits or whatever you're trying to do in too aggressive of a way for wherever your life is right now that, of course, it's not going to be able to work beyond two weeks or 30 days or whatever it is because it was never sustainable in the first place. And to be honest, a lot of these, you know, two-week, 21-day, 30-day, whatever reset type things that are supposed to jumpstart your year or whatever it is, they're not designed to be sustainable, to be quite honest, right? A lot of people like to use January as a time because maybe you're not going out as much or, you know, maybe you have less plans because it's right after the holidays. And for a lot of people, it's colder outside. So we're not going outside as much. It's like, oh, this is a great time to kind of like hunker down and focus on myself, which you can absolutely do. You know, we talked about last week in our dry January episode that the new year is a great time to do a little bit of an audit and just see, are there areas of my life that I would like to examine and how can I examine those in a way that is realistic for me and for my life without having to take extreme measures? Because the other aspect of this is for our basically our whole lives, especially if you were raised as a girl, is that Restriction is the only tool that we have available to kind of fix everything or examine your relationship with something. Um, And most of the time when people are talking about, quote, fixing around the new year, it's weight loss. And when, you know, you've grown up in Western society, it's eat less, exercise more or bust, basically. And it's very, very fraught and it's exhausting. And especially if you've been thinking about or on this more intuitive eating, mindful eating, non-diet kind of spectrum, there can also feel like a guilt aspect in there of like, oh, but it's another year and I shouldn't feel like this way anymore. Like I thought I was over this, you know, and there's there's a lot of different hoops to jump through. And we talk about mental gymnastics all the time, but it can be a very confusing type of time of year if you feel like you're caught in the middle of these two camps of like, I have to be doing something, but it feels like the only way to do something is to do it very extreme and all or nothing. But then at the same time, on the other side, you're like, but I I don't want to do nothing. So now I'm caught in the middle and I don't really know what to do. And it's, you're a mental gymnastics gold medalist at this point. 
Yeah. I mean, I think one of the the big things also is what makes January particularly challenging too, is that it is one of the only times where things are added on, right? It's like not, well, it depends on what you're doing, right? Like typically there are something for removing, right? If you're doing like a big food thing, you might be, you might be, I'm removing alcohol or I'm removing sugar or sweets or whatever it is that you're like latched onto at that time. But in general, mainly January is a time to add stuff in, but it's in such an extremist way that when you try to add things in in such an extreme way, it inevitably is going to lead to burnout and lead to fatiguing and lead to um, overwhelm and it's unsustainable. And what's really interesting about that whole um, like kind of like storm that you're creating with this extreme add-in approach in January is that all the benefits that you would be getting from adding in these health-promoting behaviors is completely diminished, if not irrelevant, because of the way that we're forcing things in and that we're making them these like hard and fast rules because now not only are we trying to like meditate on a pillow for 20 minutes in the morning to reduce our stress, but now we're stressing about whether or not we're able to complete our wellness productivity checklist and our morning routine. And if we're not being able to do it, then what does that say about us? And then why can't we manage our stress? And it's like, I'm stressed about meditating now when meditating was supposed to be the thing that's actually proven to be supportive for reducing stress and having more mindfulness. And so it's almost like it it has like the opposite of long-term effect of what we're trying to go for when we try to put and wedge all these things in. And it's just to me, that's where it's it's so deeply entrenched with dieting extremism, right? And it's like we can't just do things like gently. One at a time. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't do things gently because otherwise that's not like everything. And it's like it's not enough. It's not enough. You know, like why isn't enough? Like why does everything have to be this? And then you create this whole idea, this product, this wellness productivity checklist is like basically this scorecard for yourself on whether or not you're able to hold yourself accountable to these things that you want and could even potentially benefit from. Like you might benefit benefit from drinking less alcohol or you might benefit from having more meditation and quiet moments to yourself and or you might benefit from eating more fruits and vegetables or you might benefit from getting more exercise but like when you try to force it into that extreme, you're causing, like, you're not going into it with the benefit in mind. We're going into it with the, like, a very specific outcome and it has to be right now. It's so, like, instant gratification and immediate results driven rather than it being, like, taking a look and saying, okay, this is what I'd like for me to work on throughout this year. Otherwise, it's a bust. It can be very confusing, too, because if you are able to, let's say you've got you've got your wellness productivity checklist and you started on January 1st, like let's say you're able to keep up with that for a week or two. There's this really interesting phenomenon that happens that 
you're kind of riding the high of a new habit and then all of these different things are going on and you're in this kind of like honeymoon period, right, where things may actually feel really good, even though if even if in the back of your mind you're like, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep this up for a long time, but like I feel really good while I'm doing it. But then what ends up happening is there's kind of this binge restrict cycle with these habits of like you're doing all the things and then afterwards you're like, oh, I just can't do it. And then you're not doing any of them anymore. And then there's always this like looking back fondly on that time when you could do it and you probably did feel very good. Because again, like when we talked about in the dry January episode, objectively, adding in some of these health-promoting behaviors, you are going to feel better if you're sleeping better, if you're reducing your stress by meditating, if you're drinking more water, if you're able to eat some fruits and vegetables, you know, all of those things objectively on their own are probably going to make you feel better. You know, there's, there's a very high probability of that. But then what can end up happening is, especially if you are a person who tends to be drawn to the all or nothing mentality or you're a perfectionist or type A and you love systems and a plan and all these things, I think we can all relate to this in some aspect, is we start to conflate and confuse doing all of the things with feeling better. And then we start to feel very tied to, well, if I want to feel better, I have to do all of those things together, which is actually not true at all. And this is something that I hear a lot when I work with clients who have done like strict elimination protocols in the past. It's like, oh my gosh, the first time I did this, like my symptoms were so much better or like I had so much more energy or, you know, something, something. But then we're constantly chasing that high of the first one. And it could have been that just, you know, the circumstances in your in your life were like the right situation for that. Or, you know, maybe it was working really well for you at the time. But then most people have a lot of trouble duplicating that feeling. And it's because the aggressiveness of that was not ever sustainable. And then, you know, just the way that it tends to happen is like nothing feels as good like food or habit wise as the very first time that you do it. And maybe it's just like the mental high or maybe it's the honeymoon phase or whatever it is, right? But what we want to encourage you all to think about is if you did have a period of time where you were meditating or doing one of these health-promoting behaviors and you did have a good time with it, January or, you know, one thing we want to remind you of here is like, it's not too late to try and like audit things or think about like, hey, is there something I want to be more intentional about this year without having one of these wellness productivity checklists is, you know, it's February now. If you wanted to do more meditation or journaling or movement or, you know, whatever, any of these things that we commonly think about at the beginning of the year, January is just one month out of 12. It's not too late to start, you know, reexamining these things. And it's also a great time to be like, you know, what I was doing in January, that wasn't working. Even if it was working for a short period of time, what we want you to do is think about if I have things that I would like to work on being more intentional about this year, how can, what is the perfectionistic approach to that? And how can we take like 10 to 20 to 30 steps back? And how can I meet myself where I am to make that more realistic? Keeping in mind that anytime you're starting a new habit, it is going to feel a little icky and weird. And like you do have to push yourself just a little bit in order to do it because you are stepping a little bit outside of your comfort zone. But it's not like, dude, or you're a failure and you need like buckets of willpower and discipline to do this because that is too much. We're not going there. Yeah, I totally agree with everything. I was just thinking when you were talking about that 
that like honeymoon phase is I think part of it too, or at least for me, I think I felt like that was the formula. Like, because we have so much ingrained in us in like the way that we're marketed to around looking for that thing that's going to unlock these things, right? And so when you had a time when you felt really good when you were doing something, we don't look at it like, oh, these things, you know, in a vacuum, one thing at a time could possibly have this benefit. It has to be this formula in this succession. How I did it this time is what's going to make me feel better because of the way things are marketed to us. It's not enough to do one aspect of those things. It has to be all of them because all of those things are like this special little puzzle piece that fits together to create your your like ultimate vitality and thriving, right? And I think that's like one of the things that makes us so latched onto it and why we love a productivity checklist, right? Because then we can look at it and we love our daily trackers and our daily habit trackers and we can look at them and we can say, okay, I'm staying on top of myself. I'm doing the things. I'm completing the formula. This is the formula for me to feel good. And it's like, really, is it the things and the formula that's making you feel good? Or is it our attachment to the list and needing to check it off that makes us feel good? You know, like, which one is it? Because I think for me, there were certainly times where I just loved having the plan and knowing and being attached to the plan, whether or not I like, I felt better just being like, oh, I feel better because I found this thing and I am latching on to this. And this is what we're doing now. And I'm going to hold on to that, like, dear life, like, as if, <laughs> like, I'm holding on to a branch on a, like, during a tornado. Like, I'm picturing, like, um, in Twister, <laughs> you know that movie? When they're, like, latched onto the bottom of the thing and their feet are flailing and everything around them is going around, like, no, I'm holding on to this one thing. I think, like, that's a lot of what happens when we create these, like, productivity checklists that we think, like, I'm not going to let the wheels get off the bus because I have this checklist and I'm going to hold on to it for de- for like for dear life. And this is what we're going to do. And then when we can't sustain it because it's ridiculous, it's way too much. We think if I can't meet all of my new morning routine, then I might as well just get up and just do my do my thing and just like fuck it, you know, like screw it. I'm just going to go about my day. If the jig is up, it's over and it's ruined now. And then we feel bad. Not so much because we didn't do the things, but because we didn't have that thing to latch onto. I think like sometimes it's more about that, but that doesn't mean that those behaviors don't help us feel more in alignment with ourselves, more intentional, more mindful, all of the things that a lot of people, at least my clients and I talk about a lot about wanting to feel more mindful and be um, present in certain types of things. But the thing is, it's like when you don't meet yourself where you are and you're trying to force stuff in, you're automatically not honoring your body's current capacity and your system can't handle it. And so when your system can't handle it, you know what it's going to do? It's going to dig you deeper into burnout. And then we try to like the quote of all quotes that we will quote forever from Crystal, Dr. Crystal Frazzi is, you can't productivity your way out of burnout. But by golly, do we try, you know, and every January we try so hard to productivity our way way out of burnout with all of these wellness type productivities, 
when really we should be like looking at everything and evaluating why is it about these things that I am so interested in starting to to utilize? Did my therapist say that maybe I would do really well with having more mindfulness and more um and more um you know meditation or something? Did do I feel like I could actually benefit from having more um thoughtful movement? And it's like, you know, for a lot of things is we feel like we can kind of force anything in for two weeks. And then after that, it becomes like we're starting, it feels like you know, like the wind is getting it. And it's like, can I collect all the pages that are kind of starting to float around? At first we can, but when a big gust comes along, oh shit, like it's all coming tumbling down and we can't possibly grab everything. And I think like when you try to force yourself into these things, it is the complete like opposite effect long term for the outcome that you're seeking because it actually leads you more into burnout. And what most of us are trying to do is get ourselves out of that. And when we try to productivity our checklist our way out of it, you know, you're kind of screwed. Like it, you know, it's like you're setting yourself up to fail and it's not your fault. You know, it's not like your fault for doing that. It's like this is the thing that we've been told that we have to like, you know, burn your bust. <laughs> burn your bust all the time. Um, that's a throwback vibe. But um <laughs> but yeah, you'd feel like you have to do it or not at all. And that is very much a diet culture, you know, conditioning that we have been forced into for such a long time. And we want to, one, recognize that February is hard because sometimes we start feeling shitty about ourselves because of the things that we didn't do in January that we really wanted to, or we're starting to feel fatigued by them. And like that in of itself makes us feel guilty because then we feel like, why can't I sustain this? Why can't I do this? Why is this tiring to me? Like, why, why can some people continue these patterns for so long and other, and I can't, what's wrong with me? Why is this so hard for me? And I think, yeah, it's just, we get so hard on ourselves about it. And I think February is a perfect time to talk about how these types of resolutions actually are set up for you to fail and they're not set up for you to succeed. And it's not your fault. It's interesting because we get so hard on ourselves. And I think something that I have been thinking about a lot lately is something that my brother told me when I first graduated from college. And I started my new job. And it was honestly one of the like the most dropkick, honest, like reality checks I've ever had in my entire life. And I think everyone can use it for resolutions. I think it's like totally applicable here. But I had just graduated from college and I was starting my first job and my brother called me and he goes, hey, how did how did the first week go at the new job now that you're like done, blah, blah, blah. Like, how's it going? Do you like your coworkers? What do you think about the job? And I said, um, I, I said, 
it's it went really well. One week down, boom. And he said, Christina, there's no countdown. This is for the rest of your life. You're going to be working now. And I remember thinking like, oh, shit, like he's so right. Damn it. You know, like, oh, my God, this is it. You're right. I'm not I am going to be working. This is what my life is going to be. There's no countdown for anything. And I think one of the things that why this is so relevant is if you're counting down the days to the end of January or you're counting down the days till, you know, 21 days and it's a habit and you're like, oh, yay, it's going to be on the 21st day. It's going to be easy now and it's going to be a part of my life and that's going to be it. You're not building a habit. You're waiting until it's permissible to, for it to be over or you're waiting for it to finally fit into your life or you're waiting for yourself to wedge it in and that's not sustainable. That's not a sustainable habit. That's not how habits are built and I don't care what book anyone says about building habits and how it can be done in a 21 day or whatever. I do believe that there is a layer of motivation activation that has to happen, right? And there is a level of like, yes, I want to start doing these things and here's what it is. But that doesn't mean forcing yourself and going against your body's current capacity in order to do it. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Like that's not how it works. Yeah. So instead, we do what we love <laughs> to do here and flip the script. So one of the things that we always like to emphasize here is we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because when we are coming from this kind of all or nothing perfectionistic diet culture type mentality, it's like, well, you're either doing everything or you're not doing anything at all. And a lot of the time when you go all the way to the other end of the let's say dieting spectrum and right and some people who go all the way to the kind of very um, loud and extreme anti-diet side of things, it can really feel like, well, if I'm not doing the dieting thing, I can't do anything because otherwise I'm dieting, even if you're not. And so what we want to emphasize here is we're not saying structure is bad. We're not saying you can't have guidelines. We're not saying you can't have intentions or things that you want to audit or things you want to pay more attention to or anything like that. We just need to figure out if there are things that you want to work on which I would say if you're someone who's listening to this podcast, you're probably health-minded, right? So there's probably mm-hmm. always something that is kind of in the back of your mind like, oh, I should be doing this, you know? Or even I'd like to. I'd like to do these things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you're progressing, yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, even if you're not, that's fine too. Um, This will also help you. We want to encourage you to figure out, okay, if there is that one thing or even a couple of things, how can you meet yourself where you are dismiss the old perfectionist mindset of I'm either doing this all the time every day or I'm not doing it at all or I'm doing this X amount of times a week or I'm a failure. And one of the things we want to remind you of here gently is that if you've been making the same resolution every year and maybe the same structure or the same plan every year and it's not, it's not getting you to the end result that you want, you need a different approach because why would we keep doing the same thing over and over again if it's just not working? Then you really are setting yourself up for failure and to feel shame and to feel guilt and to feel all these things. It's like, oh, well, January we try and February we feel bad about ourselves. Like what? No, <laughs> let's 
Let's try a different <laughs> approach here. January, and we're gonna... try February 5th. <laughs> Is that not the built-in structure for New Year's resolutions? I'm sorry. It, one, it 100% is. I'm just dying. Like, that was amazing. <laughs> I hope everyone, guys, write that down. <laughs> this is what we're trying to avoid. So I know. We want to give you a couple of actionable tools, practical tips of how can you make things more realistic for yourself if you're trying to, you know, take some things and go forward with this. One of the most important things is to pay attention to what's going on in this season of your life and what are your resources and what is your capacity. So I feel like you're going to have something to say about this, Christina. (laughs) Oh, my God. I always have something to say about capacity. You know, I think. I think this is where the motivation activation thing comes in a lot too, right? Like, cause there is a really fine line between meeting yourself where you are in your current capacity and pushing yourself a little bit for some of the things that you know would be good for you or that you really want to do or you miss doing. And I think this happens a lot in motherhood, especially with little kids. Like, We really try to create this thing like now I'm going to like, let's say you're getting back into exercise. I'm going to exercise every single day for 45 minutes in the morning before my kids wake up. Once you make that declaration, it is a guarantee that your children are going to wake up 45 minutes earlier from henceforth. And like, that's all there is to it. And so I think paying it, what I mean when I think of paying attention to the season of your life and meeting yourself where your current capacity is, there has to be built in flexibility, right? There has to be this built in like flexibility around, Hey, my kid was up all night teething. I'm not going to get up at 545 and work out. And that doesn't mean that my day is shitty or that everything's gone to hell. It just means that today wasn't the day for that because of the other circumstances that came up in this season of my life. My capacity was not there today for that. And that's not a, I'm going to force myself to get up after only getting four hours of sleep and I'm going to get up and work out anyways. That's not honoring your body. That's not honoring its capacity. It's going to push you further. So to pay attention to the season of your life is to one, look at, is there flexibility in how I'm structuring this? And can I deviate from that without feeling like it says something about my character? Mm-hmm. I think those are like big things for me. Yeah. And, and yeah. You know, when we're thinking about your capacity, it can be what's going on with your family, what's going on with your personal life. You know, have you been traveling? Have you been sick? You know, what's going work? on at work? It's all yeah. these other things, right? Because if, because I think we in, December after the holidays, the week between Christmas and New Year's are like, oh my God, like here's all the things I would love to do. And here's the thing is like, if you had nobody else to take care of and work was very low stakes and you weren't sick and you weren't traveling and like every single one of your ducks was in a line, you might be able to do all these things for two weeks and it would be difficult because they're new habits, but it wouldn't be as taxing as it would if you had even a single other thing going on. And I think the plans that we make before January are always thinking, oh, everything's going to be perfect and I'm not going to be tired at all and we're going to have so much energy and we're going to have so much time and like Beyonce has 24 hours in a day and so do I and like all these other things. But we don't make realistic (laughs) plans to meet ourselves 
where we are. And so just the plans that you're making are so incredibly unrealistic and unsustainable that it's kind of like when you look at it that way, why should I even feel bad about not being able to do this? Because I was never set up to succeed in the first place, you know? Another part of this of knowing yourself is, you know, we talked about the the daily habit trackers and, you know, the wellness checklist and other stuff like that. One caveat of this is some people need this to a degree. So we work with a lot of people that have ADHD and some people who don't, who just need a little bit of a reminder, right? So one of the things that I always talk about with clients is like if, you know, if we see deficiencies in their blood work and they're taking a certain vitamin or if they have to take, you know, medications or whatever, if you're the kind of person who forgets whether or not you've taken your medications or your supplements or anything, we recommend that people get like a daily little supplement thingy because then you don't have to worry about, oh my God, did I take my thing already today? Have I not taken it already? Because like if it's Monday and the Monday box is empty, you took it. (laughs) If it's Monday and the Monday box is still full, you have not taken it yet, you know? So that's or you lost the box and forgot all about it and never refilled it. <laughs> or that, yeah, or you never refilled it, right? But so these, these are some of the things that, like, that can be a tool, but that's a gentle add-in instead of like, okay, well, I've got to do the vitamins and I've got to do X amount of water and, you know, I've got to do blah, 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 like all the different things. And, you know, water is another great example of this is is if one of your things is like, oh, I don't really think I drink enough water. And I tend to be one of those people who, you know, when I'm working, I'm just really into it or I just forget to drink water. There are water apps that will just send you a reminder every couple hours like, hey, take a sip of water. You know, that can be it. You can ignore it if you want to. But at least there's a reminder there that's like, hey, maybe uh, you should drink some water, (laughs) you know, and that can be it. And it can be very gentle and not like you're the worst person in the world because you didn't drink X amount of water today. You know, there's a whole bunch of different tools that you can use singularly to help you add in as opposed to, well, I got to get the pillbox and I got to get the water tracker and I got to track my food and I got to like all the other things. Start with one. And then when that starts to feel like something that you feel like you got on lock, then add on something else. I think one of the things for me that I, why I hate the daily habit tracker is not because I, I think having a reminder is great if you need a reminder, right? And I think a lot of people do need something visually that they can see that says like, hey, remember to do this. Like I have something on here like that says say no to anything that's optional. That is something I need to be reminded of. So I need it in a place that's very visual. I don't need to be reminded visually on a checklist for my water because I just have my water bottle around and I'm always drinking. I'm like a water fiend. So <laughs> So it's not something I need help remind, like reminding myself of. But one of the things that I don't like about those habit trackers is if at the end of the week you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, I didn't measure up because I didn't have as many checklists as last week or whatever it is, and you're using it as a little bit of a morality or internal scorecard for yourself, it is doing you more harm than good. And we got to find a new way that doesn't trigger that that feeling of failure in you to remind you in new ways instead, whether that's a visual reminder in a different way or something else, or make it fun, make it pretty, make it whatever it is that you need so it doesn't feel that way. But if it turns into a a kind of like a, a scorecard for yourself, it's not 
it's not doing you good as far as like what it's set out to do. It's really making you internally, whether you realize it or not, it's actually doing more harm than good because it's making you feel like you have this checklist. And if you don't do all these things, then you're not living up to your values and these principles. God, we can go on a whole nother topic just on that, which we have episode upon episode where I talk about values and rules and all of the different things. But that's where that comes in for me. And I think it's so important. And that's part of knowing yourself, paying attention to the season of your life. If you have a, a daily habit tracker, because that's helpful for you, and you're able to check off certain things and be like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, there might be like, I actually would like to work on this and have a couple more checks next week. But you're like, oh, I'm doing really well. This is cool. I'm fine with this. Or ooh, I really did forget. Did I forget to check it? Does that freaking matter? No. <laughs> do. Or did I actually forget to do the task? And if you forgot to do the task, then this isn't helping you anyways, other than keeping making you feel bad. And then it's not really helping you create a sustainable habit and integrate these things, these health-promoting behaviors that you're desiring into your life long-term if we're only keeping track as far as like a scorecard for ourselves. Because this is your life. You're already crushing it. You're already doing great. It's your life. You're who you are. Like this is everything. You're enough exactly as you are. You don't have to do anything else. But if there are things that you would like to do to help feed yourself and make you feel more alive or whatever it is or create more space for yourself, then having something to track those things that makes you feel worse about yourself is not making you feel better. And that's ultimately the long-term goal here. Yeah. Be gentle with yourself. Some kind of structure is still okay. But think about any of the perfectionist, all or nothing, I must do this or I'm a failure structures and things and plans that you've had before. We're going away from those, trying to make either a very much more manageable, less extreme version of those if you still have similar you know, goals to that, or trying something completely new and seeing how it goes. Because again, we're not saying you have to just don't care about anything anymore. <laughs> this is totally. the opposite of what we're saying. And just in case you're like left like, I don't know what to do or like, I don't have an example of this or I don't know how to meet myself where I am or what that looks like. In after the episode, we're going to be talking about our own approaches to resolutions, kind of like how we did things before and how we've kind of led to where we are right now. Um, and I think honestly, too, like even now, this is a work in progress. So if you want to learn more about like what that looks like and how we execute this way and approach to kind of moving away from that wellness productivity checklist and still creating goals and intentions for the years and things that we want to to work on for ourselves as individuals, please come to after the episode to learn a little bit more and get a little bit more insights and we'll share some personal stories. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that'll be over on Patreon. We also have a couple of other, um, both Patreon and public episodes that we'll link in the show notes. So from a couple of weeks ago, we have two episode bonus episodes that aired on Patreon that were how to get back on track without dieting or restriction, and then also how to set goals for the new year from a more non-diet approach. And then we'll also, if you have not listened to last week's 
episode on dry January. Would highly recommend because we have a couple of different examples in there. And there was also a Patreon exclusive after the episode, after last week's episode about our own approaches and recommendations on how to work on creating a more non-diet relationship with alcohol. So we highly recommend you go check all of that out and it will all be in the show notes. And big thank you to all of our current patrons because we couldn't do this without you. And uh, we'll be back next week. (laughs) (laughs) No, you hang up. (laughs) Hey, friends, it's Dana. And thanks so much for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast today. Find us on social media at Wholehearted Eating Pod on Instagram and at wholeheartedeating.com for more information about working with Dana and Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling. If you love the show, we would love you forever if you'd share an episode with your family and friends or tag us on social media or leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people find the show. Check out patreon.com slash wholeheartedeating to help support the show and get access to bonus episodes with us and our guests, episode discussions, new resources we're creating for Patreon, and so much more. If you have questions for us, feedback on the show, potential topics or guests you'd love to have on, shoot us an email at hello at wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you next week.